Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. We're joined now by Bob Wishusen, the voice of the New York Jets. Hello, Bob. Hello, Howard. So do you get a chance to go to London this week or no? We are not going to London. Oh, that's kind of a disappointment, isn't it? Yes, it's, uh, you know, not the best. Um, but, it, you know, it, it, with the world that we're in right now, with COVID, where it's at, with the NFL, I think pretty much across the board, not letting radio broadcasters or really anybody that's not in like the nuclear part of the team uh, on the plane because they're still trying to insulate teams from any possibility of any kind of COVID outbreaks. 
I get it. I mean, it's a lot of traveling hoops to jump through to go over there and call one football game when all of us are used to doing it remotely now because we've done it for a while. So, you know, it, it is what it is. I hope we're back in stadiums on the road full time at some point soon, but we're not there yet. Too bad because I had a great Chinese restaurant for you to go to walking distance from Buckingham Palace. I mean, I'm always up for a good meal recommendation. <laughs> so, uh, last week there were five teams that didn't have a win. Now there's two. And the Jets and the Giants both win in overtime and both get their first wins. Uh, different kind of games. I, I saw both. I was particularly impressed with the Jets' defense, uh, getting at Ryan Tannehill, sacking him seven times and probably hurrying him another 12 uh, it got boy. It reminded me of the glory days of the Jets' defense with the sack exchange. Yeah, I mean the defense has been a really pleasant surprise, um, especially if you thought about how the team was covered and you know talked about, and I think rightfully so during the preseason. I mean the preseason was all about you know the quarterback looks like he is the real deal, and he's got Elijah Moore who is you know making play after play and. Boy, they've added weapons and Corey Davis and spent all their high leverage draft capital on the offense. And they better go out there and score because the defense is really going to struggle. You know, Carl Lawson tears his Achilles and they've got no experience on the back end of their defense. And if they're going to win games, they're going to have to score 30 points to do it. And the opposite has been true. I mean, it's the offense that right now looks like they have really had it. Certainly the first three weeks were in the tall weeds. And the defense over and over again has kept them in games. And that's what happened this past week. I mean, there's no doubt that, you know, Zach Wilson made some highlight real plays, but they only had an opportunity to be in that game because for the better part of three quarters, the defense did it again. I mean, the first three possessions of the game where the Titans scored points, the defense stiffened and forced them to kick nothing but field goals and kept the game within reach. So the offense finally, for the first time this season, kind of found a groove. So, um, yeah, really pleasantly surprised that what was supposed to be a weakness of this team has absolutely been the strength so far. You, know, you mentioned Davis uh, and the highlight play. One of them was when Wilson is waving Davis to go downfield. You could see it uh, live and then see it on the replay, uh, which shows a, a tremendous maturity of a quarterback. Uh, but on top of that, I mean, you, Bob, you knew what to expect. You know Derrick Henry is going to get his. And, it, I mean, it's going to take 11 guys bringing that guy down. But, you know, he got his, and that's okay. And they had a 400 and something yards of, of total offense. But I don't expect you to, to – to, uh, but I'm, I'm saying that last drive by Tennessee, when they tied the game up, I did not like the pass interference call. I thought I've seen a lot worse not called than what I saw on that play. I lost you. Oh, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now, Bob? I have to try to dial Bob up again. I'll dial Bob up again, and we'll get squared away. Try it again. This is modern technology, ladies and gentlemen. We're making it work. Oh, this, is, this is pushing. I am back. You got it? Yeah, I heard you say that last drive by Tennessee, and then it went dead. Yeah, I, I, I was referring to the last drive by Tennessee when they tied the game up in regulation. Uh, I've seen a lot worse not called pass interference-wise than what I saw in that play. Yeah, there were some iffy whistles at times in that game, although I felt, I felt as if the Jets did a really good job throughout that game of defending without interfering. And especially for a young secondary, that's also been a really pleasant surprise during this year so far that they were able to do that as effectively as they were. Um, but, I mean, you can make the argument he got there a hair early, um, you know, uh, that's what the officials saw. 
I think he probably did get there a hair early, but you're right. Bang Bang plays like that. Um, you know, it's it's tough when you feel like a defensive back times a play perfectly, and then the flag comes out. Well, you know, what what's troubling? Uh, look, I have a lot of respect for Mike Pereira, and he's on one of the telecasts. And and Mike saw a play similar to that where he says, "Well, the officials don't like to throw the flag at that stage of the game." Well, that's inconsistent. Uh, to me, a penalty is a penalty in the first minute of the game. It's a penalty in the last minute of the game. And and I think that's consistent. And, and I didn't like his explanation. And I like Mike a lot. have a lot of respect for him. But I didn't buy that explanation. Yep. I mean, that's fair. You know, I, uh, that's a judgment call. And, you know, depending obviously on who you root for, you're going to have a different view of a judgment call. But, you know, I mean, those of us, in, and you're in this boat too, that have called a million games, um, you like to see, you know, a guy that appears to make a really, really good play in the crucible moment of a game be rewarded for it. So now you've got Atlanta this week in London. Um, it's hard to explain. Uh, I, I've seen the Falcons. I saw them uh, against the Giants, and they beat the Giants. Uh, then I see them uh, last week, and they looked uh, anything but. So now what do you expect from the Falcons? I mean, Matt Ryan is a solid quarterback. He doesn't have Julio Jones any longer. Uh, this is a team obviously in transition. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that Kyle Pitts hasn't been more dynamic for them mm. early this season. I, I thought he would be, you know, offensive rookie of the year caliber production. Um, and, you know, so far he's been by big time NFL tight end stamp, you know, standards pretty normal. Um, but, yeah, I think their defense obviously – it's certainly not, you know, top-notch. Um, I think that bodes well for the Jets because the Jets at least this past week showed that when their offense starts to get rolling and the quarterback starts to do what he could do, you know, the first three weeks they played, you know, at least statistically through the first month, three of the top five defenses in the NFL. You should do more against even the best defense in the NFL than they did, but they went back, they went up against Bill Belichick and Vic Fangio um, in back-to-back weeks. With a rookie quarterback going up against two guys, that, that's like 70 years of NFL coaching experience um, up against Zach Wilson back-to-back weeks. This past week was a different story. So I would be optimistic that they're going to be able to build off the offensive momentum they created this past week and score some points. All right, they have a bo- defense, I think, feels like, you know, if the offense just goes out there and gives us a reason to believe that they're going to put 24, 27 points on the board, then this defense is playing with a lot of confidence that they're going to be able to use that number of points and win a game. Well, if your name was Williams, you excelled last week on the Jets' defense. Yeah, you know, it's fun watching not only those two guys play individually, but how much fun you can see they're having playing together. You know, it's just a great story for for Quincy Williams to just be flat-out released by the worst team in the NFL. I mean, right now, like, as if Urban Meyer doesn't have enough to worry about, I'm not sure that there's, you know, a lot of football things he's dealing with, but one under-the-radar football thing that he's dealing with is for a team that does not have a lot of talent. I don't know, man. I'm watching Quincy Williams play linebacker for the Jets each week. I would think that the Jaguars could use him, and they just released him, and the Jets picked him up, and he's thriving in this system. So, um, and, and the two of them, I mean, it's a, you know, it's, it's a, a, as good of a competition on the field as it is off the field as to which one has more of the million dollar smile. I mean, it's like every tooth is visible every moment of the day for those two yeah. guys because all they're doing is smiling and laughing and, and I think having a great time playing together. Um, you know, Quincy has every bit, I think, as much of that infectious enthusiasm for the game as Quinnen does. Um, and, and he has been a really welcome addition to a jet linebacking core that took a couple of, of injury shots at the start of the year. Um, they're supposed to you know, get Jared Davis back after the bye week, but they needed someone to step in and replace him, and, and he's done a really good job of it. Well, you also lost the star of the defense in Marcus May, uh, who's going to be out for a couple of weeks, and then now he's got some legal issues that he's going to have to deal with. So. I mean, the Jets, look, everybody, they always, everybody says the same thing. Injuries are part of the game. Well, okay, that's fine. Except 
I think the Jets have taken it to extreme. You mentioned Lawson, now May's out. Uh, look, at the beginning of the year, before the year started, I think I said it to you, the strength of the Jets was going to be their defensive front, and it's turned out to be just that. And needs to be. Um, but the back end of the defense has been better than I ever expected. I have to admit, you know, Bryce Hall has looked like a legit number one corner, and it's a small sample size. It's only the first month of the season, but he's been really good. Um, the only area of experience that they had at the back end of their defense was at safety. Remember, they had LaMarcus Joyner they brought in as, as a free agent as well um, to pair with Marcus May, and those two were supposed to be kind of the veteran stabilizers with these really young guys at corner. Now they're both gone. I mean, May's out for who knows how long now. I mean, just injury-wise, he's out for at least a month. But with his legal issues, it could be more. And Joyner's lost for the year. So now, not only are you incredibly young at corner, you are also incredibly young at safety as well. I mean, I've, like if you're a second-year player in the Jet defensive backfield now, you're like a gravian because um, they're just babies by NFL standards all the way across the board. But sometimes... There can be an advantage to that. I mean, I think these guys are being told by Robert Sala, you know, just man, go out there and freewheel it and have fun and play hard. If you guys make mistakes, make mistakes 100 miles an hour. And they are doing that. Um, every now and then they're giving up a big one. But they're making as many plays as they're missing, certainly probably way more. Um, so... You know, sometimes the, the best thing you can say about a kid player in the NFL is he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And that seems to be the case with the, with the secondary, but they're hanging in there. They're, they're playing well, better than I ever expected they would. He's longtime voice of the Jets, Bob was Schusen. Uh So you got a bye week after this week in London and then go to New England, uh, which, which may, brings to mind, uh, and I heard uh, Mike Greenberg on ESPN a couple of days ago, two days ago, one day, the greatest game of the century, the Patriots and the Bucks, And I went, what? I, I, so I texted Greeny. I said, a little overhype? He goes, maybe. <laughs> maybe? It was the most overhyped game, Bob, I have ever heard in my life. Yeah, I mean, the game itself was kind of a yawn. And I think most of, you know, that event was just, you know, the return, right? I mean, what was it going to look like when Brady walked back into that building? What was it going to look like when he saw Robert Kraft? What was it going to look like when he met Bill Belichick on the field? And now you find out that in kind of classic Belichick fashion, he didn't want to give the media and the public anything to chew on. So he set up like a 20 minute private meeting with Brady uh, back in the visitor's locker room. So that way no one would see them talking. And then after the game, it was just a quick hug. Yep. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I I thought just from a chess match standpoint, it was a fascinating game. You know, when when Belichick knows a player, and there's no player he knows better than Brady, you know, he's going to come up with at least something to try and keep the game the game. And he did that. I mean, that that narrative that Brady was going to go out there and throw five touchdown passes because this was going to be like a revenge game. Okay, well, you know, knowing what we know about Bill Belichick, you want to bet on Bill Belichick, a Bill Belichick coach defense, giving up five touchdown passes to anybody? You know, I mean, I, I never saw that happening. I thought that they would at least keep the game. The game pretty much played out the way I thought it would, which was he would do, I mean, flashing all the way back to the Bills' Giants Super Bowl in 1990, right? I mean, they kept the Andre Reid, Thurman Thomas, Jim Kelly Bills in front of them, didn't give up deep balls, let Thurman Thomas catch a bazillion balls for a bazillion yards, but if we just tackle you guys in bounds and don't give up one over our heads, we'll shorten the game to the point where maybe late we'll have a chance to steal it because that's probably the only way we're going to win. It worked in that Super Bowl. It didn't work on Sunday night, but it was a similar philosophy, and it's one that he's employed a million times over. I got to say, Mac Jones outplayed Tom Brady. Uh, he had, had better numbers. He threw the ball more accurately. And, but the Patriot uh, running game was zero. I mean, Nelson Aguilar carried the ball once on an end around for four yards. He was a leading rusher for the Patriots for the game. Yep, and there have been times where the Patriots have not been able to run the ball, but they've always had Tom Brady to lean on. And this time, you know, now they don't. I mean, now there is a difference between Tom Brady and, and a rookie quarterback. 
And you're right, but I think Mac Jones certainly looks like the right guy for that coaching staff and that franchise. I would agree. Uh, you know, it's the first time since 1993 that the Patriots have lost the first three home games of a season, and the Jets go in there on the 24th. Uh, <laughs> and play them in Foxborough to try to make it four in a row. Look, uh, when you once you get past Buffalo, I think it's a dogfight in the AFC East. Yeah, um, I don't know that any of those other three teams, though, are going to put together enough of a solid record to be a legit wild card contender. Right? Like, it's nice to say, all right, we finished second in our division, but if you don't make the playoffs, who cares? Right? I mean, you, you know, it's you, you want to at the very least. Um, I think what the Jets have going for them that the Dolphins don't, uh, certainly what the Patriots do, at least the Jets and Patriots are sitting around, you know, the personnel group sitting around the conference table all looking at each other going, all right, I think we at least got it right at quarterback. Like, I think we've got a quarterback we can build around. And that is the biggest jumping off point for any team trying to rebuild. I think the Dolphins brass is all sitting around looking at each other going, wow, you know, a year ago we spent – a top draft choice on a quarterback that no one in this room can confidently say right now can do this. And that that's a problem because now, you know, you, if you start over again at quarterback, you know, that that's a big time draft choice that you spent on a QB that I don't think anybody can in any way confidently say they know they've got the right guy. Uh, before I let you go, uh, and I know you're a football guy, but – how much of an interest do you have in the Yankees playing the Red Sox tonight? Oh, I'll be watching. I mean, that's, you know, like what, I mean, how many sporting events are better than Yankees, Red Sox, you know, what amounts to a game seven, an elimination game? So I will, I'll definitely be watching. I'm fascinated to see if the Yankees, again, try and do what they've done several seasons now and that is take this all-or-nothing home-run-hitting team into the playoffs and go on some kind of a run. Because, like, what's the definition of insanity, right? Like, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And three years ago, they won 100 games. Two years ago, they won 100 games. So it's not like this team hasn't had success and then got to the playoffs and flamed out because they couldn't hit. And I'm wondering if, you know, once you get to the playoffs, you go up against the best pitching that there is. Normally, that neutral was the best hitting and you you know you need more you know high on base percentage get the ball and play guys and that's not what they have they have a lot of guys that strike out or hit home runs yep and at some point that that's burned them in the postseason we'll see if they even get past tonight if it burns them again this year in the postseason at some yeah, point the only thing that concerns me is that garrett call the last four times he's placed the red sox they've smacked him around with the long ball so yeah in the last three last three times he's pitched i think he's given up 15 total runs in his last three outing so it's probably been about three weeks or more since he was Garrett Cole or at least the Garrett Cole you need him to be. Bob appreciate your time uh enjoy the ride I, I'm really I'm high on Zach Wilson I said that before the when, when they drafted him I still as I think they got something here and I still may, think they made the even though Sam Darnold got off to a fast start with Carolina uh, I still think that Zach Wilson's the right guy. I, I think you're right too and I very much hope you're right. <laughs> Makes your job easy, right? Thanks again yes, for your sir. time, Bob. You stay safe. All right, Howard. Take care. Bob Wischusen, longtime voice of the Jets. Let me see. Who did he succeed? Oh, yeah, some stiff name, Howard David. Um, we're going to talk a little NBA basketball in a little bit uh, with Steve Popper of New York Newsday. But I have to say... Uh, I have to say that uh, we're, we're in the middle of a, a strange time in sports now. We've got, as I mentioned to Bob, we've got the um, uh, Yankees and Red Sox tonight. Uh, we've got uh, the Jets playing this week, and obviously the Giants play in Dallas, which is not going to be uh, uh, not going to be a cakewalk by any stretch. Not particularly the way Dallas played last week, but you know, having said that, uh, it'll be it'll be fascinating. Uh, the NBA is in practices right now, and I noticed, coincidentally, I watched highlights of um, some NBA games last night, and it's curious that I saw a lot of stars playing last night. I saw Steph Curry uh, 
play last night. Saw Jason Tatum of the Celtics play last night. Jalen Brown of the Celtics uh, played in the game last night. So, uh, you know, maybe the guys are getting into that kind of thing. But this is a big day in New York sports. There's no doubt about it. It's got the Yankees and Boston for the wild card matchup. Garrett Cole's going to pitch against Nathan Evaldi. Good matchup, tough matchup. And as I mentioned to Bob, Cole's last four starts have been memorable. <laughs> I'm being facetious, sporting a 6.35 earned run average. So tonight, the reason why they gave him that nine-year, $324 million contract, and the way it's going to pay dividends if he delivers the goods. If he gives him seven strong innings tonight, and the Yankee bullpen has to take over, I think they're in good shape. Uh, but that's going to be it's going to be easier said than done. Four starts against the Red Sox this year. They've hit him with five home runs. So he has given up the long ball. That cannot happen. Uh, Yankees probably won't have DJ LeMayu, which is too bad. Because for my money, uh, you know, Aaron Judge has been their MVP of the year. But DJ LeMayu has been their MVP for the last two years. So we'll see. Uh, and the other thing is about Cole. He's got a uh, questionable hamstring. Temperature is going to be about 58, 59 degrees tonight. That's not great for a hamstring because it can tighten up. Also, getting a grip on the ball in 58, 59 degree weather is not as good as when it is warm. So a couple of things going against the Yankees from that standpoint. Additionally, Judge, Stanton, Rizzo, Gallo, Gardner, Torres, these bats have got to step up and play big time. The winner gets Tampa Bay. The loser gets to go home. Given my choice, I'd rather play Tampa Bay. Easy choice. Or as Al Davis said, just win. Al Davis never said, just win, baby. He said, just win. And that's what the Yankees have to do. That's what the Red Sox are looking to do. They're looking to just win. Aaron Boone's in the dugout, the manager of the Yankees. Remember when Aaron Boone hit a memorable home run in the playoffs? Remember when a guy named Bucky Dent in 1978 delivered a winner against the Red Sox? Now, Boone, we know, is going to be there. I don't know that, um, that Bucky Dent's going to be in the stadium in Fenway Park. If he is, he better wear a mask. And I don't mean a mask to, cover, to protect him from the COVID. I mean, he better wear a mask because he'll be recognizable. They got a name for Bucky up in Boston. It's called Bucky Blankety Blank Dent. Don't know it. Don't know how the outcome is going to be. It's going to be interesting to say the least. As for the Giants and Jets, heard me talking to Bob Wischusen. They both got it done last weekend in dramatic fashion, overtime in both cases. Uh, the Giants win the game in overtime. Uh, the Jets got a missed field goal by Tennessee that would have tied it up. And it seemed poetic justice that it didn't work, that the kick didn't go. Because the Jets, if anything I'll say, and I, look, I'm not, I'm not bleeding jet green. I'm just saying they deserve to win that game. Their defense was outstanding. And not against some bad team. Against the Tennessee Titans that are pretty good. Against a quarterback who's pretty good. And Derrick Henry is a great running back. Best in the league. He got his. You expect him to get his. But it's like playing basketball. If you... If you... Uh, Play in a basketball game, and I've heard this play, player say this time and time again. If you play in a basketball game and a coach says, we're going to let their superstar get his. He gets 30, 35 points, fine. Let's shut everybody else down. Okay? Pretty simple. Derrick Henry got his. Ryan Tannehill did not kill him. Ryan Tannehill was on his butt seven times. Ryan Tannehill got hurried another 12 times. The Jets' defense was sensational. And Zach Wilson, particularly in the second half, I personally was very impressed. I thought he looked like a, a real veteran quarterback. When that play to Corey Davis, he's telling him, go on down, go on down. I got you. Go on down. And he hits him with a bomb for a touchdown, 53 yards. Tremendous performance by Zach Wilson. Uh, were his numbers staggering? Not really. He threw that interception in the first half, and we're going to up. Here we go, because he's had a propensity for doing that. He's also had a propensity for getting sacked. He was sacked once. He threw one pick. He threw two touchdowns in the second half. 
He threw almost 300 yards, passing yards, on Sunday. Now he's going up against an Atlanta team that I don't think is as good as Tennessee. But the Jets are not in a position to take anybody for granted. When you have won one game and lost three, you take nobody for granted. But it's a winnable game, and that's all you want. It's a winnable game. Technically, Atlanta's the home team, but they're playing in London. The crowd there is very knowledgeable. I've done games in London. It's a very knowledgeable football crowd. As for the Giants, they got the Dallas Cowboys. What I saw last Sunday from the Dallas Cowboys was impressive. Dak Prescott is for real. Ezekiel Elliott is for real. He had a below Ezekiel Elliott season last year. The way he played Sunday, he looked like the Ezekiel Elliott from two years ago. And Dak Prescott looked like the Prescott before the injury. All I'm saying is that look out. Look out, Giants. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It's not impossible. And I think that Daniel Jones, you know, I'm okay with that. And if the Giants have got a go-to guy right now, if they have a real go-to guy right now, I would have to say it's Galloway. To me, Galloway looked like a guy. Uh, Kenny Galladay looked like a guy that wants the ball and knows what to do with it when, it when it comes his way. And he's going to wind up being, and if he's not already, he's Daniel Jones' favorite target. So... We'll see what the Giants do. Uh, it's a rivalry game, obviously. Anytime you see NFC East teams, it's a rivalry. As for the Nets and the Knicks, getting closer to starting. They're in preseason now. I've got my concerns about the Knicks. I've got my concerns about the Nets, but for different reasons. My concerns about the Knicks, a lot has been placed on the arrival of Kemba Walker. Be careful. Guy's missed 55 games the last two years. He's got balky knees. And the Knicks are counting on this guy. If he's healthy, they got themselves one of the better point guards in the league. If he's not, they're going to have to rely on Derrick Rose. They're going to have to rely on Emmanuel quickly. Fournier was an excellent addition by the Knicks. They may be better, but the record may not reflect it. The position in the East may not reflect it. They finished fourth last year. The East has gotten deeper and stronger. Watch out. At the top of the heap in the East is the Brooklyn Nets. I have one concern. It's Kyrie Irving. Now it's Kyrie Irving doesn't want to take the vaccination. Kyrie Irving wants to take a day off. Believe me, I, I, I personal feeling, I don't think you win with Kyrie Irving. Okay? I don't think... He, he was a pain in the butt in Cleveland. He was a bigger pain in the butt in, in Boston. They couldn't wait to get rid of him. They had a party in the locker room when he left. I'm concerned. But having said that, the Nets did a smart thing. Sean Marks did a smart thing. He went and got, he went and got a guy that I think gives them the versatility in the backcourt. His name is Patty Mills. Now he's going into his 12th year in the league. So he's not a kid anymore. I get that. Having said that, he can fill the role at point guard. He can fill the role at the two guard and play in the tandem with Harden if Kyrie Irving wants to, you know, play childish games. I'm not a big fan. I'll be honest with you. I'm not. Having said that, Kevin Durant, best player on the planet. He showed that in the playoffs last year. He uh, showed that in the Olympics. Best player on the planet. All due respect to Giannis Antetokounmpo. Kevin Durant can carry the Nets to the Eastern Crown. Who will they meet in the West? I would love to see the Lakers. How about, you think the NBA is not rooting for the Lakers and the Nets to play in the NBA Finals? <laughs> You're kidding yourself, right? Let's talk to Mr. Steve Popper of New York Newsday. Hello, Steve. Hey, how's it going, Howard? I can't complain. You getting all jacked up for the NBA season? <laughs> uh, I, I can't believe that it's starting again uh, after it just feels like it just ended. But, but yeah, we're ready to, to, to go. It's, you know, uh, I, I think this is the first time in a while that there's been some expectations, uh, you know, for the Knicks here. 
and uh, it just kind of presents a different sort of approach. That there's there's not the usual counting out dysfunction and and seeing you know mockery. Uh, it, it's a different different way to approach the season here for the first time since I guess the Carmelo Kid days. I you know I would agree. Uh, here's my concerns. I have concerns for both the Knicks and the Nets, and I'll tell you what they are. But they're different, totally different. For the Knicks, um, I love Evan Fournier. I think it's a great acquisition. And they got him for four years. Kemba Walker, when healthy, can be a top point guard. But the when healthy is the operative words here. Admit he's missed 55 games the last two years. So if he's on the floor, that's great. But look what's happened the last two years. And I know how hungry he is to play in New York. I get that. But you can't tell me that every time he steps on the court that, uh, that the Knicks are crossing their fingers that he's going to still be healthy after the game. Yeah, you know, you know, it's funny. The one thing, and I'm accustomed to things going wrong here. Um, the one thing I, I, I kind of disclaimer to that is they don't need him to be, you know, 40 minutes a night savior of the team. Um, look, Alfred Payton started all last season. Uh, so whatever the Knicks do this year, I think is an upgrade, whether it's Derrick Rose playing, whether it's, it's Kemba Walker, and, you know, and maybe if it's Alec Burks or Miles McBride too. Um, I, I, I think that sort of, sort of, you know, what Rose gave them last year, you know, Kemba compliments them in different ways. Um, he, you know, he, he's a huge upgrade offensively. Uh, well, Thibodeau and, and Julius Randle praised Alfred Payton's defense, you know, scouts I talked around the league. We're not as enamored with it and, and thought, you know, he, he didn't do a great job of staying in front of guys and, and stopping, you know, look, there's great point guards on almost every team in the league now, and, and it's hard to stop him. But but I, I don't think that defense uh, with him was sort of as, you know, as, as highly regarded around the league as, as Thibodeau makes it sound. So I, so I think they'll, they're going to lose something defensively with Kemba. I, I think between Kemba, Derrick Rose, and, and like I say, how they fill it in with, with whether it's, it's the rookie or, or if it's Alec Burks. I, I think they're just deeper there at point guard and they're going to be different than they were last year. I, I think whatever Kim, Kemba gives them is an upgrade. Um, yeah, I noticed that you uh, didn't mention Emmanuel quickly. He's got to be in the conversation too, right? Yeah, I think he's going to be more and more two guard. I, th- I think that's the way they saw him develop last year. Um, you know, I think Derek Rose is, is going to be mostly in that spot too. Um, you know, I, 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 I kind of am curious to see. I, I think Thibodeau does tip his hands a little in preseason, you know, as, as he looks at combinations. I think ideally he would like to have it be uh, Kemba first and then, you know, just kind of fill in with, with guys who are not pure point guards. Um, you know, I, I kind of brought it up to him the other day that, you know, he used Neil Akina as a defensive stopper sort of guy last year. Uh, and they don't have him. They don't have Reggie Bullock. Uh, they don't have Peyton, uh, so who's going to fill that role? I think I think you may see McBride or Grimes kind of step into that role as, as a defensive guy, getting some minutes. You know, it may be limited, but getting some minutes when they need somebody to, you know, to get in front of a, you know, Steph Curry, a Trey Young, a Luka Doncic. Um, I, I think it's it's a challenge every night, but I, I think I think quickly they ideally see him as, you know, he's a shot creator for himself. I think first and foremost, uh, I, I just don't think he's he's shown yet and, and he, he could develop it uh an ability to lead the team as a point guard he's steve popper of new york newsday uh you mentioned reggie bullock how much will they miss him i, I think a lot I, I i was kind of surprised um you know being that he got sort of the same contract as uh as alec burks did that i was surprised that they they went in that direction uh you know burks is a more offensive minded guy you know a a, a scorer who was a great clutch shooter for them in the fourth quarters last year but but i think um you know bullock was was probably their best i don't say probably he was their best perimeter defender among the guys who got minutes um you know and that's a big loss i i think they're a team that you know with with kemba with julius randall with rj barrett i think they could have afforded to have you know just the three and d sort of guy in bullock uh, so I'm kind of surprised that they did it the way they did it, uh, structured this team the way they did it with that regard to that one position. I, I do think the other moves are, are, are you know, huge upgrades. I, I think Fournier is a better player for them than than uh, than Bullock is, but I think it, it's going to be interesting to see how how the fit is and how defensively they sort of 
do what, what Thibodeau's teams have done in the past and did last year. Steve, i got to ask you this. Uh, I mean, the Knicks won 41 games last year. They finished fourth in the East. Uh, it's my opinion that, uh, based on what I'm seeing and the moves that have been made during the offseason, that the East has gotten deeper and tougher, uh, which means if the Knicks uh, may be better this year than they were last year, but I don't know that that translates to a fourth place in the East, they could drop a few spots. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I, I wrote a column about this on Sunday in Sunday's paper that, uh, you know, Vegas has the over-under on them at 41. And, and then just today, uh, the FBA.com, uh, the general manager survey came out um, and they didn't get a single vote among the top four teams in the East. Um, they have seven teams that did get votes and Knicks were not one of them. So uh, I, I think that the consensus view is from the outside um, that they are going to drop. Uh, and, and I think it's two things. I, I do think they got better. I, I think they have a better better roster this year than they did last year. Uh, I think you know they're better offensively, and I, and I just have great faith in Thibodeau that they'll still be good defensively. Um, but I, I think what you're looking at is they optimized everything last year. You know, in a season that was just devastated by COVID for a lot of teams and injuries in a condensed schedule, the Knicks handled it. You know, I, I we've mocked them for a long time, and I think they did uh, a better job than anyone at, at handling uh, a very tough circumstance. So, I, to me, it was uh, it, it, it was they. You know, I, I don't think there's any doubt that they overachieved. Uh, and I think when we saw uh, as you got into the postseason, uh, Atlanta, you know, treating every game the way the Knicks treated every game during the regular season. Uh, the talent showed, and, and you know the Knicks were, were sort of overwhelmed by them. You know, not getting knocked out in five games. I, I, I think that the Knicks will be better this year, but I think Miami will be better. I think Boston will be better. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I, I can sort of see where the GMs and the odds are coming from. That it's going to be hard to to duplicate what they did last year, where every team is coming for them this year, uh, and and maybe teams take their, those games sort of, you know as importantly as the Knicks treated every game. Well, I uh, I think a lot of Knicks fans, I think, got a wake-up call. They expected them to beat Atlanta. And when it didn't work out that way, look, you got to give Atlanta credit. Their defense was stifling, particularly on Randall. Uh, they did a great job and deserve a lot of credit. I think they're going to be more of a factor because now they know what it feels like. Uh, they also re-upped John Collins, which was necessary. Uh, but I look at the East as the Nets are the, are the top team, uh, on the and, and health, of course, plays a big role. But I think the, the Nets are one. I think Milwaukee is two. I think Philadelphia drops. I think the circus that's going on around Ben Simmons and where he is going to eventually wind up, and it didn't help that Joel Embiid basically said, um, he, he basically called out Ben Simmons the other day in a press briefing, uh, which was, I don't know how smart that was, but it doesn't matter. It's not my concern. I think my I agree with you, but I think Miami, with the addition of Kyle Lowry, I think Adebayo gets a chance to establish himself as a big-time player in this league. Butler, if he's not uh, missing as many games as he did last year, I like them third in the East. Uh, and, and you're right about Boston. Dennis Schroeder is going to be interesting. I don't want him as my accountant, but I do like him as the point guard. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he likes his agent much right now either. Um, but look, look hey, to me, I, I guess, I, you know, I, I admire what Brooklyn has and what Philadelphia has, but right now Milwaukee has the talent and the stability. Uh, they're the only team that, that isn't sit, sort of sitting with these huge question marks. To me, uh, you know, Brooklyn still is an issue. Look, uh, the word is that, that, you know, Kyrie Irving wasn't reporting to practice today in Brooklyn. Um, which would lead me to believe he still hasn't gotten the vaccine. And look, I, I hear people on the league floating the stories that, you know, he could be, you know, he, that he could retire here. Um, I don't think anybody knows what, what is on Kyrie's mind or, you know, what, what direction he's going to head. So, so to me, this, this is, this remains a question, you know, are, are they going to be able to, to get it all together? If they do, you know, if they have those three guys at the top and the veterans they put around them, the talent is is the best in the league, but will they have it? I, I, I don't know. And and you know, at some point, does you know Kevin Durant, who came here, you know, with Kyrie, tire of it? I will say this. You know, I'm not the only one who said this. Boy, would a Ben Simmons for Kyrie Irving trade help both teams? Um, but but I don't think it will happen. 
um, you know, you know, one problem for another that, that kind of fits better into the other, the, the other team. Um, but to me, you know, the, the one team without a question is Milwaukee. Um, everybody else has, has things that they have to solve. I think Miami, who the GMs also put third, are going to take a huge step forward. And I think Boston last year, you know, might have been, you know, a team that, that people were picking to get to the finals. Um, and, and, you know, they were just ravaged by COVID. Uh, injuries, you know, Jalen Brown was hurt. Jason Tatum, you know, tested positive and then and then you know admitted that he was really, uh, you know, struggling with the, the effects of COVID all year long. Um, I think they're going to be better. You know, I, I, we don't know how this coach is going to do. You know, what what will change there? But adding Schroeder, you know, bringing back Horford, um, I think there's you know bringing back Cantor. I, I think there's some stability there that that. I think they're going to be grown-ups again. Uh, so I, I think the Knicks have their work cut out for them. That said, you know, I, I, I don't think we can, you know, put a damper on what they did last year and the way they played. And sort of the question has been, do these new guys, you know, do they play the way they played last year with this new roster? Uh, your points are well taken. Steve Popper of New York Newsday. I'll take it even further with the Nets and Irving. He was a headache in Cleveland. He was a bigger headache in Boston. My old partner, Cedric Maxwell, said that when he left Boston, they wanted to throw a party. Uh, look, Kyrie Irving is every day, unless that medicine chest is loaded with Tylenol, this guy's going to come up with some other reason to give you a headache. And I don't think you win with guys like that. I mean, look at, a, look at Odell Beckham Jr. The Giants you know, couldn't wait to open the door to let, let, let him go out. After a while, the talent level is not worth the headache. And I think that's going to be it. But to the Nets' credit, they went out and got Patty Mills. And now I know he's not a kid anymore. But the guy knows how to win, and he can play either guard position. So I think that was a good acquisition by the Nets. Right. And no doubt that I, I think that they have enough to win without Kyrie. But I, I think this is an issue that they've got to resolve. Look, this, this first issue, as we said, is, is one that's got to get taken care of know whether you're going to have them or you're not last year i thought they had more talent than anyone last year too but they you know this group had never played a game to you know had never played together they didn't even have training camp together um and they still almost beat milwaukee you know what maybe you know one inch on a uh, one shoe size uh for kevin duran and maybe they pull, pull out that series sure um i i think they have enough talent but i think the instability that that Kyrie puts on them is a huge negative for them to me, you, you got to solve it. You got to find out: Is this guy on board? Is he going to be, you know, a guy that you can count on every night, and is going to be, you know, a part of the the solution? If not, you know, maybe it's time to find a way out. That and, could be. And, and look, they're good enough that if he retired, I think they they might just be fine without him. <laughs> uh, if he if he you know if they try and trade him, and that's what he wants, yeah, the direction he wants to go. They might have to just, you know, bite the bullet and live with it. And I haven't gotten any indication from them that they're taking that path. Uh, Kevin Durant still says the right things. Harden says the right things. Nash and Mark say the right things. But, you know, we'll see how far that goes. Um, and I think players will probably be the biggest indicator when, when they see, you know, championship opportunities dwindling away. Hey, Steve, i got to ask you your opinion about the Lakers because it seems that a lot of people, and I don't know that it's a majority, a lot of people saying, well, this is a very old roster. Uh, I refer to refer to it rather as an experienced roster. Uh, Carmelo's 37. Dwight Howard's 35. Trevor Ariza's 35. Uh, having said that, they also picked up Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn, two younger players that are talented. They re-upped uh, Horton Tucker, which I thought was a smart move. And, of course, the big acquisition was Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook and LeBron and Anthony Davis sat down before this deal was done and made sure that they were all on the same page, which was smart. And you remember when the Nets got Harden, they said that he couldn't coexist with Kyrie Irving in the backcourt. There's only one ball, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that, that proved to be false. And I think Westbrook and James will work it out. Look, load management's going to be the operative word for a lot of teams, particularly the Lakers. Yeah, you know, it's funny. They, the, the team, I was talking to somebody in the league once and they brought up, you know, the old Lakers when they, you know, brought in, I think it was Carl Malone and Gary Payton and all these guys, you know, trying to get a ring. Um, to me, the, this group still can, 
you know, I, 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 I guess I'm, I'm even downplaying it if I say they still can play. But I think LeBron is still great. I think Anthony Davis is great. And I think that these guys, you know, Westbrook, Carmelo, are still very useful players who have uh, a lot left or, you know, enough left to get through this season. I'll say Carmelo's, uh, uh, you know, way of thinking. Uh, I, I think that they're all guys who kind of get it. Um, they all do believe, I think, that, you know, LeBron leads. I think they've all sort of taken that ego uh, thing out of the equation. I, I, I think that they have enough that they can they can make this work. I, You know, if I had to pick right now, I, I guess just because of what I feel, you know, are questions for other teams, I, I would look at a Laker-Milwaukee final, you know, as, as what I would predict here. I will go uh, Lakers-Nets because um, that's just a, an opinion, obviously. But yeah. if, could you imagine if it's Lakers, Nets, New York, and L.A., you talk about a readings bonanza? Well, and, and stars everywhere on, on both teams. I, I just don't, like I say, I, until Kyrie proves that he's all in, I just don't know if they're going to be able to get through this. I don't disagree. I hear what you're saying, and it makes sense. Always a pleasure talking to you, Steve. You stay safe. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube